Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Sweet Discernment. I'm your host, Sherry and Sade, and I appreciate you being a listener of my podcast. So over the last couple of weeks, I've been trying to consider exactly what I wanted to do with my podcast, considering the demand over on YouTube is a little bit higher. Actually, it's a lot higher, and I never want to leave anybody there waiting because that's how people found me to begin with. And so I've been trying to figure out what was my purpose with the podcast outside of my YouTube. And while I was trying to figure that out, I received an email from someone who watches my YouTube. And this person asked to remain anonymous, and they said, hey, Sharon, I just wanted to ask your advice on something because I value your perspective and I'm in my early twenties and I'm finding that not only am I not wanting to be around the people in my life anymore, something is pulling me into isolation and I'm worried what that could mean. Have you had this experience and what do you think it is? And she put PS, I'm also trying to work through people pleasing tendencies. Don't know if these things are related. So I sent this person back a response with a link to psychologytoday.com. And I said, these are really normal feelings for your 20s. (laughs) As you grow and as you evolve and as you get older, you will find that your life will continue to, to evolve right along with you. And your life will take different forms. And don't, it's kind of like Bruce Lee, be like water. Don't fight against the tide, ride with it, learn to dominate the wave and you will be, you know, you'll be um, powerful. And so that's kind of what I've learned about life. Life takes you on tides and it takes you ashore and it takes you out to sea and it takes you on waves. And then sometimes the water is still and each phase has something to learn and something to value in it. And when I stopped fighting the waves of life and when I stopped fighting the different shifts in my life and I evolved right along with it. And I learned from each experience and said, what is this trying to teach me? What am I supposed to be learning? How am I supposed to be using this to my advantage? I found life to be way more valuable. And I found that I was opening up um, new layers of myself all the time, as opposed to fighting to stay the same. I blossomed in order to evolve and become better and and a better version of myself. And that's what that could be teaching you. Now, as a reformed people pleaser myself, I did not learn boundaries in my childhood. I was taught to be a people pleaser. Every lesson that I was taught was based on what other people thought. The lessons that were bestowed upon me from my caretakers was, don't do this or people will think. Don't do this or if you do this, then people will think. Everything was based on what other people thought. And so that's what I was taught and that's what I lived with. And I became my own worst enemy. I became an adult and I had that same mindset. That's how I was taught to think, believe, behave, operate. And in corporate, I was taken advantage of in every way you can possibly imagine. I was everything to everybody all the time. I was the number one employee. I was the number one manager. I was the number one colleague. I did everything for everyone all the time because I thought that not only made me a nice person, but I thought that made me worthy. I tied my value to how valuable other people found me, not to how how much I loved or cared for myself. I was never taught to love myself. I was never taught to place my value based on my character or my strength of character. I didn't even really know what my value system was. The value system I grew up with was, well, go to church. That was it. (laughs) And that's a conversation for another day. But When I started going to therapy because I was constantly feeling depressed, I started learning that 
a lot of what was triggering my depression was how I allowed people to treat me. Notice what I said, not my depression was caused by how people treated me. My depression for me, and I'm only speaking for myself, but what triggered my depression was how I allowed myself to be treated. And when I realized that my life is a culmination of decisions and permissions that I give, I learned to be empowered. I didn't even learn to be empowered. I learned to accept how empowered I already was. I stopped rejecting myself and I stopped rejecting my boundaries. And not only did I stop rejecting them, I learned to create boundaries. <laughs> so it all started when my therapist and I started doing this thing where they had me write out my values. What do you value? And I talked about this on my channel under the how to be segment. It's on the playlist. What do I value? What's important to me? What are my core beliefs? And when I wrote those things down, I started to take shape of what type of person I actually thought was a good person. And it wasn't based on how many favors I could do for people or how much I could come through for people in the clutch. It was based on how you treat people, what you find to be good in this world and what you play up to. Do you play up to the things that you find to be good, like giving to others, respecting others, treating others fairly and kindly, doing what you can to make sure that the person who comes after you has a, a much less difficult time in that same space? Do you give to the world? Do you find that helping others is part of what you think is, is, is the tax you pay for being on this earth? Are you good to the environment, to the people around you? Can you look yourself in the mirror? And it's things like that that I started to build out, not just my idea of like, well, the moral code is based on the commandments in, in, in the church. It's beyond that. It's about actually being a good person, not just following rules because you're afraid to go to hell. It's about being a good person. And before I could be my version of a good person, I had to even determine what I thought was good and bad outside of, well, if people like me, then that means I'm good. And if people don't like me, then that means I'm bad. Mm -mm. I had to base my life around my value system, not around the people who basically made or break or could break me based on their opinion of me. See, I was brought up to think that other people's opinions was how I could rate and judge myself. And what a shame that was because I missed out on a lot of years of being able to love myself because I was busy chasing validation outside of myself. External validation is a trap. You will never get it. You might get breadcrumbs, you might be a donkey chasing a carrot, but you will never obtain it. Gotta be a little bit faster. You're never gonna get it because the validation can't be found there. It's kind of like a mirage. You're walking in the desert and you're looking for a puddle of water and you keep seeing water and every time you get to it, it's just more sand. But then something tells you, look inside your bag. Boom, a bottle of water, just enough to keep you satiated because it was with you the whole time, not out there. So stop traveling in the sand dunes looking for water and look in your own arsenal. Validate yourself, satiate your soul with your own validation. And I had to learn that because as someone who <laughs> over time realized I'm an introvert 
and that what other people think about me is not my business. Until I learned that, I was basically living my life based on the ebbs and flows of other people's temperaments and opinions. The limit for how people felt about me or how I would allow myself to be treated in any environment was based on tolerance. If they tolerate me in this environment, then I'm where I'm supposed to be. It actually got to the point where people were too nice to me. I was like, something must be wrong. They don't know. I'm screwed up. Everybody always eventually dislikes me at some point. And that's actually not the case. You want to know what that was? Why I always felt like people ended up not liking me after a while? It was because I didn't have boundaries. It was because I did not exude self-respect because I didn't have self-respect. I wasn't taught to respect myself. I was taught to bend myself to the whims and the grooves of the earth and the people around me. And that meant I was a good person. That meant I was a nice person. And that meant I was worthy. I had to learn to stop that. <laughs> and so what I actually thought was people eventually learning not to like me was actually people losing respect for me. And here's the thing. If you sell yourself out in order for people to like you, they will never respect you. If you always stand up and stand by yourself, stand up for yourself, stand by your values, always have your own back, not only will people respect you, but people who are worthy of being in your life will respect your boundaries and also like you as well. It is impossible to like someone you don't respect. So even when you sell yourself out, even when you say, I don't have to respect myself because I'm just going to have to get them to like me. I just want them to like me. Even when you do that, they're not going to like you anyway. And even less, they're going to not, they're not going to respect you. And I had to learn that on my own well into my late twenties, but that's neither here nor there. One of the ways I determined how to establish my boundaries was establishing what my boundaries were to begin with. How do I expect to be treated? How do I deserve to be treated? And what will I require? What's the minimum? And what's the maximum? So the maximum to me is you can love me as much as your heart can take. <laughs> Go for it. You can feel as great about me as you want to. But the minimum for having me in your life is respect. I don't personally care how you feel about me and I don't care what you think about me. You must always respect me because I will always respect you. If I'm ever in a position with someone in my life who I can no longer show respect to, that is my clue that I don't need to be in that person's life. I can only thrive where mutual respect resides. Another great way of determining this for me was my whole quote that I have. It's on my desk, but I, uh, I have this quote that I say to myself when I'm not really sure if I'm being extreme or if someone is trying to exceed my boundaries. And the quote is, respect my presence or accept my absence. And it means just that. While I'm here, you can show me respect and I'll show you respect or you won't get me. Simple as that. And you can hate me from afar, but you will never have the opportunity to hate me in my face. Mm -mm, nope. I have nothing to prove. I don't care what anybody thinks of me outside of myself and my schnauzer. That's it. And it took me a long time to get to that place. Not only that. I have also learned not to overplay my hand. So I'm the type of person that goes all out for people. Um, if you ask me for five, I'm going to give you 10. 
If you ask me to meet you at seven, I'm going to show up at 615. <laughs> and that's just how I am. But the world is not safe for people like that. And that is why a sense of discernment is necessary because not everybody deserves that part of you. Not everybody deserves that level of effort. Some people can only operate with the minimum. If you give anybody, if some people, if you give some people anything above the minimum, they will take advantage. It's why that quote exists. Give them an inch, they'll take a mile. You have to know what's appropriate for you and what's healthy in each relationship. So I'll give you an idea. I had to, with one of my therapists, sit down and determine what success looks like with each of my family members. And that's because I'm an introvert. I prefer like solitude. I prefer to be alone. I prefer that it's me, my husband, and my dog. I don't even really like people at my house. I've had people over and they were so rude and disrespectful that I vowed to never have my family in my home again, unless it's my niece or nephew. Um, uh, members of my husband's family are welcome, but my family is not welcome in my home anymore. Um, and that's just a choice I had to make because they were so rude the last few times they've been in my home. Um, and I could tell they didn't realize how rude they were being. And so their lack of manners or ignorance in that area is not my problem. I'm not going to be insulted just because someone else hasn't done their own due diligence. I will simply protect myself from their ignorance. And that is okay to do just because we know the why doesn't mean we have to tolerate the outcome. So just because somebody's stupid and they don't know no better don't mean we have to put up with their stupidity, right? Exactly. So another thing I had to do with my therapist was determine what success looks like with each of my family members. With one of my family members, success looks like being able to have one phone call every two weeks. If I'm doing that and maybe one or two texts a week, then that feels good to me. Success with another family member looks like being able to call here and there a few times a week, hear her voice, hear his voice, know that they're good, give them whatever they need and go on about my business. Success with another family member looks like being able to check in via text once every two to three weeks. And that is the maximum time spent with that person. That is success because anything more than that could get ugly. Anything less than that we'll probably not talk again. So, so I had to look at what success looked like in each relationship because sometimes giving people too much access to you doesn't open the door to new relationships and the evolution of a new a new era for you guys. When someone is, has, has repeatedly shown you who they are, you have to determine if you want that person in your life and if you do, what is manageable for you. And there you are starting your first boundary. Another scripture or quote that I like to lean on is um, from Proverbs 25, 17. And the scripture is seldom set foot in your neighbor's house too much of you and they will hate you. And this is overstepping your or not overstepping your boundaries, but overstaying your welcome. I'm the type of person that, again, I show up for people and I will go above and beyond for people. And sometimes People need and want exactly what they ask for. If someone says, come over for a party and you come over for the party, but you stay to help clean up and then you spend the night and help them pack up and get everything sent off the next day with the party planner, maybe they appreciate the gesture, but maybe you were more of an inconvenience than you were helpful. And so that's why discernment is so important. Being able to read not only the room, but the situation people and the relationship you have with those people to determine what the right choices are 
and make those choices based on observation, not on delusional, magical thinking, not on, well, this is what I would want if I were them. So I'm going to do that. Mm -mm. Mm -mm, Don't do that. Think about what they would want and think about what they would need. And before you do that, what has history shown you? So I have a family member who every time this person is in a jam, I try to go above and beyond to try to help them out of the jam, do whatever I can, whatever's in my wheelhouse. Until that person, every time they got what they needed from me, fine. Then when they were out of people to talk shit about, I was next up on the list, no matter how much I did for this person. I knew the cause. The person is semi-mentally ill. They suffer from substance abuse. They've been like this their whole life. Nobody puts any value in what they say. So no one was believing the lies anyway. So I would always say, mm, it's just harmless. That's just how that person is. But it's not some. It's not about how they are. It's not about if other people believed it. It's about I didn't deserve to be treated that way. Just because I understand the why doesn't mean I have to permit the outcome. And so what I had to learn to do was let karma ragtag that ass. And I could not save them from their karma. Because saving them from their karma was giving me my bad karma. (laughs) And I had to say, well, this person has a history of popping back into your life, causing absolute, complete destruction, starting shit with other family members and friends and making up lies and stories and everything's always chaotic. And then they disappear again. You're enemy number one. They don't talk to you for two or three years. And then they pop back up in this moment of, oh my God, I missed you. And I wanted to talk to you. And it's just been so hard on me. And things have been just going so hard for me. And I missed you. And then the cycle continues. I disrupt my life. I send money. I send help. I spend hours on the phone with family members and friends trying to coordinate care and relief and help and and organize and I give, give, give. And then I'm left depleted. And once they've gotten everything they could out of my tap, they turn off the faucet and run away. That's the same cycle. So the last time I heard from that person, they went on and on and on about their woes. I offered them a nice warm shoulder, let them cry it out. And then I sent them on their way. I didn't open nary a pocketbook. (laughs) I didn't call and make not one reservation. I didn't coordinate with family. I didn't call and organize anything. I didn't participate in their care plan. I didn't do a damn thing because over 30 years has taught me this person doesn't need you. They need a scapegoat. And so what they are doing is putting you back in line to be their scapegoat every time they've run out of people to burn. And now they need someone to blame it all on. So they're going to put you in the line of fire. Don't take the bait. I prioritize myself and guess what? Peace. <laughs> I've had peace. I didn't overplay my hand. I didn't over, overstate my, or overstay my welcome or overstep my boundaries one way or the other because the boundaries aren't just there to keep the world from harming me. The boundaries are also there from, to keep me from overplaying my hand with the world. My boundaries are there to keep me from paying people's rent. The boundaries are there to keep me from paying people's car notes. The boundaries are there to keep me from answering the phone at one in the morning and staying on the phone as they sob, sob, sob until 6 a.m. And then I got to get up and go to the gym and then go to the gym tired, didn't get my workout out. So I didn't burn the calories. I thought it was going. Now I'm behind on my body goals. Now I'm depressed because of that. Now I'm overeating because of the depression and the sadness. Now I'm fat again. Now I'm stressed again. Now my health is taking an L again and guess what they're doing because they live in chaos baby they are thriving they called and put your world into a whole tizzy and went back to doing what they do best bullshit
Oh no, I had to learn boundaries. Not only that, something therapy also taught me was that isolation isn't always a bad thing. Because again, I'm an introvert. Now, some people, extroverted people, a lot of those people thrive in environments where they get to be around other people and they feed off the energy of other people and it helps elevate them. And that's great. I'm not built like that. I have two parents who are built like that. I'm not built like that. Even in childhood videos, you'll see my mom, dad, and sister all in the living room playing and being loud and having a good time. And you will see me off in a corner with some crayons and a piece of paper doing my thing. I just didn't have the time. (laughs) And I'm still like that. I prefer my own company. I keep my own counsel. And that is something that I enjoy. And my husband is the same way. We will often be next to each other in our own worlds. And that is the greatest gift he can give me and the greatest gift I can give him is to not demand all his energy. You gotta save something for yourself. And he allows me to save my energy for me. And I definitely allow him to save his energy for him as well. We do so much together that there are times where even though we're together, we gotta be in our own heads. And that's how we recharge. But at the end of the day, isolation isn't always a bad thing, but you have to figure out what's right for you. I once heard a quote from a pastor, at a guest speaker at one of the churches I attended, and he used to use this phrase, isolation prepares you for elevation. And so that stuck with me. So anytime I find myself starting to see my friends less or hear from my friends less or starting not to want to carry on phone conversations as much or just needing to be more alone than normal, I I have started to find that time so valuable. I see that as my cocoon happening. Life is cocooning me and preparing me for my elevation. And that's really what that is. When you find yourself, not always, sometimes isolation can be a sign of depression. It's important to know what works for you. That's why I say talk to a therapist before listening to a wackadoo on the internet. But for me and myself, and for those like me, isolation can be scary because you can be like, what is this? Am I sad? Am I mad? Nobody's done anything. I just don't want to be around them. But really what it could turn out to be is simply that your cocoon is cocooning. You're going into your cocoon. You're getting ready for your elevation. Now me, I have a trip coming up in Europe to Europe in, in September. We're going to celebrate my birthday. We're going to go over to Invictus and hang out with Harry and Megan. When I say hang out, I'll probably be about 200 yards away from them. But if I can see the tops of their heads, we may as well just be best friends. <laughs> That's what that means to me. So I'll be at Invictus in September. I'll be celebrating my birthday in Paris. And then we have a few other things that I'll be doing in Europe before I come home. And um, that's important because I want to prepare for that trip. I want to focus on getting my health right because that, tr- that trip is a pretty long flight. So I wanna make sure my blood pressure isn't high. I wanna make sure I get the all clear for my doctors to travel. I wanna get down to my goal weight for aesthetic purposes as well as health purposes. Like I'm not the one to tell you that you should only lose weight because you wanna be healthy. You should also be fine with losing weight because you wanna look a certain way, because you wanna look a certain way. There is nothing wrong with that. And I'm one of those people. I wanna look a certain way because I'm happy looking that way. And I also wanna lose weight so that I can get my blood pressure down so that my doctor will say I can travel. Um, But I have to prepare. You think I'm going to be able to lose weight and stop creating cortisol in my belly if I'm taking sad calls at 2 a.m. in the morning? You think I'll be able to do that if I'm not getting to the gym? 
You think I'll be able to save money if I'm Uber eating all three meals throughout the day because I'm depressed and don't want to get up and cook? No. No, I won't be able to reach my goals if I give myself too freely to the people around me. Because not everybody's going to account for your goals and your ambitions for you. That's why your boundaries come into play. I don't like people who put their needs in the hands of other people and then be mad and resentful at the other people for not coddling them like a baby. I know too many people who will say, she knew I was on a diet and she gonna call me and say, do you want a cheeseburger french fry? She knew I was on a diet. Well, regardless if she knew or not, she called because she was being polite. The only person that it matters who knew if you were on a diet is you. Because no matter how many times she calls and asks if you want a cheeseburger french fry, you should be able to do what's right for you and put that power in your own hands. Stop giving your power away and being resentful when people use it against you, whether intentionally or not intentionally. Nothing makes me more mad than a sorry person who sit up and say, she knew I wanted to, to go to the movies. Instead, she gonna say, let's go to the mall. Now we at the mall. And I'm sitting here like, well, wait, when she said, let's go to the mall, did you say, well, hey, I have my heart set on going to the movies and try to collaborate with her? Did you try to create any type of cohesion in your schedules? Or did you just sit there, take what she said, and then decide instead of speaking up for yourself, you was going to be resentful? Well, that's self-imposed misery. That ain't her fault. That's yours, boo-boo. You're mad at yourself, but projecting onto her because she said what she wanted. That's why I also don't trust people-pleasing partners. If you have a partner who never has a say or they're always like, anything for you, love, I'm right on top of that, Rose. Anything for you? Yes, that's fine. Whatever you want to eat is fine. Wherever you want to go on vacation is fine. Whatever house you want to buy is fine. That person is not fine with those decisions. That person is silent about their opinion. And that silence turns into resentment because what they're personally, privately concocting in their mind is, that person never considers my feelings. They never consider what I want. They never let me have my way. And that's because you didn't speak up. You are in control of you. Your power is in your hands. The empowerment you seek from other people, from other people motivating you, encouraging you, having your back, patting you on the back, giving you feedback, that's all required of you. If other people do it, it's a cherry on top. But you can't sit around and be mad at people for not encouraging you. I can't tell you how many people I know who were like, when I was young, my, my family didn't encourage me to become this artist. And they knew I liked to sing, but they never encouraged me to be an artist. And I never became one. And I'm sitting here like, okay, well, you had 18 years where that would have been real helpful. I'm sure that would have been helpful. But what happened in the 18 years after that? What's happened in the 18 years since then? What are you doing today that would make that dream come true right now that they could have done back then? Because let me say this, if the encouragement from your family would have helped you get to where you were going at up until the point from zero to 18, had they been encouraging you every day to reach your goals, that would have been very helpful. But what would that have done that the 18 years after that didn't do? Nothing. It's one thing if you went after your goals in your at age 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, or any time after that point, and you went 
full throttle towards your goals. And when you talked about what the encouragement would have meant to you, you're saying that from a place of it would have been great if I'd gotten started earlier or sooner or had more resources, but I did it anyway. That's a whole different thing than saying, never did it, never got around to it because they didn't encourage me by the time I was 18. How are you in your late 50s still talking about what your parents didn't encourage you to do when you've had twice the time, amount of time since then to do it? You ain't doing it now, so that tells me whether they encouraged you or not, you wasn't going to get around to it, which tells me everything I need to know about what you're doing. You're not mad that you weren't motivated. You now have an excuse to not do shit, and you're blaming other people. That's that resentment. I didn't speak up for myself. I didn't do what was needed for myself, so I'm going to find the nearest, closest scapegoat and blame them. That way I can sleep at night. I don't trust people like that. And when you're around people who observe that you don't have boundaries or that you don't stand up for yourself or speak up for yourself, they don't trust you either. But more to the point, it's not about what they think and trust. It's about what you think about yourself. If you don't assert your boundaries, if you don't create your boundaries, if you don't have your own back, no one else is going to have your back. And honestly, if you don't have your own back, you're teaching yourself that you can't trust yourself. Because your power lies in your hands. Your experience on this earth lies in your hands. You have more power to affect your own life than anyone else in this world. Stop walking through the desert looking for, a, for some water. Those are mirages. Check your arsenal and take a sip out of the cup that's already full and been waiting on you. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, go ahead and leave me a comment of your thoughts of today's episode or any accounts you have with anything we discussed in this episode or your own experiences. Thanks so much for listening and I will see you next time. Bye.